0: Hi, I'm Olivia Babs-Agrange, and this is the I Love Jamaica podcast from the Ministry of Culture, Gender, Entertainment, and Sport in celebration of the Diamond Jubilee. I love Jamaica, and so does everyone who will appear in this special podcast. The birth of a nation is a once-in-a-lifetime event that you never forget, especially if you are lucky enough to be there. I was in the National Stadium on August 6, 1962, to witness the birth of independent Jamaica. Oh, that feeling of national pride. There we were, setting out on our own, making our own decisions, and managing our own affairs. We were filled with hope and also anxiety. As we hear from my sister, Barbara Blakeano, who was also
1: there at the birth of our nation. My best memory of independence is a picture of Prime Minister Sir Alexander Bustamante dressed in a formal tuxedo, white hair flowing, smiling down into the face of Princess Margaret, looking absolutely beautiful in a billowing ball gown with a tiara sparkling on her head as they both danced to walls to open the independence ball at King's House. It was like the first dance at the wedding of a famous couple marking the beginning of a long and happy marriage. Quite appropriate indeed, although instead of a marriage, the wall signified the end of a long and not very happy marriage between England and Jamaica. We'd watch the Union Jack be slowly lowered from the flagpole at the National Stadium And to the sound of a lone trumpet, the raising of the new Jamaica flag in the colors gold, green, and black. I remember that the new flag was not loved. People didn't like the colors. They were so used to the red, white, and blue that the gold, green, and especially the black, was not loved at all. They said it was not to signify the black of our skin color and race but according to the explanation given, hardships overcome. The anthem was another no-no. Too long, too much like a hymn, people said. We love the British anthem that sounded like a march with drums and all that. Hard to imagine all that, considering how much we love the flag and the anthem today. Little did we know that more hardships were to come We thought independence meant the start of a new and prosperous Jamaica where everyone would be happy and have money and a good life. Little did we know. I remember that evening well, especially because I was a model in the fashion show that was one of the entertainment events of the evening before the flag-raising ceremony. In those days, fashion shows were always included in important entertainment events. The segment I was in featured lingerie by Sonia Vaz, mother of today's minister, Daryl Vaz. Lingerie was an important item of women's wear in those days, and Sonia Vaz made the most beautiful nylon slips, nightgowns, and camisoles, decorated with lace and satin flowers that were almost as beautiful as the evening wear in another segment of the show. Lou and Rani did a comedy skit that had us all roaring with laughter. We all sang along as the military band played Karamiakigo or Linstead Market, and a battalion of soldiers paraded across the field. Sir Kenneth Blackburn, last of the British governors, who had become Governor General on August 6th, left the island shortly thereafter. And on December 1st, Jamaica's first native Governor General, Sir Clifford Campbell, took up office. We were not sure how to be comfortable with a black, very black, man in King's House representing our very white queen. That would take time. The 1962 pantomime was Banana Boy, starring Louise Bennett, Rani Williams, Maud Fuller, and Buddy Puyat, with Delroy Mendes as the Rasta, who was an important part of the story. The Rasta's benediction was Peace and Love, and it is the Rasta who finally marries the leading Lady Angela, whose last words are, it is best to have married a Rastafari who is my own true guy. <laughs> nice to know that history, isn't it? Choreography by Rex Nettleford, music by Mapletoff Poole. Miss Jamaica 1961, Marguerite Loars, who went on to star as the first Bond girl in Dr. No and become our most famous Miss Jamaica, crowned Miss Jamaica 1962, Marlene Murray jimmy cliff and the beverly all-stars had a ska single mr Jamaica." the lyrics were roses are red violets are blue believe me i love you although you may not have such a fabulous shape to suit the rest of the world but you do suit me and that's all i want to know i need not know nothing more you're my mr maker my mr maker you're my Miss Jamaica. I'm crowning you myself. Can you imagine? Mona Heights had a beauty contest, and girls thought it a great honor to enter and to win. The Gleaner tells us that on December 10, amidst thunderous applause after suspense filled minutes, Beverly Holness was on Saturday night chosen. Miss Mona Heights, 1962, out of a field of eight contestants. Erica Cook, Miss Colgate-Palmolive, was chosen second-place winner, and Maureen Lumsden, Miss Plumbago, third. The new queen who wore the Miss Purity products is the 17-year-old daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Hugh Holness, of 23 Camellia Way, Mona Heights. Those were the days when Mona Heights was the very fashionable uptown neighborhood where the top government officials, doctors, lawyers, and businessmen lived. We even used to have a Miss Chinese Jamaica in those days. In November 1963, Carol Joan Crawford was chosen miss world 1963 this was the first time that a jamaican was awarded this title we were a bit upset that british media described our green-eyed blonde-haired beauty queen as the first black winner of the contest when all jamaica considered pale-skinned carol as white like most of our beauty queens were in those days signs of the times showed change, and on November 10, 1963, Marcus Garvey's body was returned to Jamaica, declared the first national hero, and buried in the Marcus Garvey Memorial in King George VI Memorial Park, now called Heroes Park, in Kingston. From Princess Margaret waltzing with Buster, One year later, Marcus Garvey had become the symbol of the new Jamaica. 60 years later, Garvey still remains our icon of the new Jamaica.
0: In building the new Jamaica, we've sought to elevate and celebrate the things that make us unique our heroes, and every aspect of our way of life, including our folk knowledge, proudly passed down through the generations. Vivian Crawford reflects on a much simpler time.
2: I treasure my memories of what Europe's first visitor to Jamaica, Christopher Columbus, described as the fairest land I has ever beheld. And as we commemorate the 60th anniversary of our independence, I reflect on my childhood in Moortown, Portland, where the oral traditions were very strong. For instance, we were told that Nanny traveled from Moortown to a compound through the island, traveled by night to tell her brother Kojo not to sign the treaty. And I now realize why. You were signing treaty in a language you did not understand. And there is a modern writer, Thomas Waste, who said, The large print giveth, but the small print taketh away. Beware. We heard stories of Nanny, later national hero, and her strategies for freedom and the survival in terms of Food and medicine and you know I am extremely fortunate to have benefited from three solid institutions home school and church I was drilled in values and attitudes manners being head of the list greetings to elders like morning cousin root Morning, Bazik. Ba means brother. <laughs> not eating on the road, not using bad words. Breach of such guidelines would be reported to my parents. And the outcome would be, Lord, have mercy. As children we gathered cocoon for the uninformed. It looks like a very large bean in a pod which bears on a vine. And the vine was used by maroons in guerrilla warfare to camouflage themselves. Cocoon's were burned to remove the hard shell. Then the kernel sliced, boiled and the cuisine please of crayfish or busu what they call mollusks busu is endemic to the rivers of portland it's always cooked down we say i don't know if you have cooked up with coconut juice coconut milk and a green scotch bonnet <laughs> served with slightly turned roasted breadfruit In terms of medicine, when I had a day, there was no pharmacy. But I knew to pick three leaves of mackerel bush and tie my head and wow, pain gone. Fruits and ground provisions were in abundance to a belly full. Popular saying was, before good food waste, make belly boss. Independence Day I had just returned from the Michael. And Independence Sunday, I was the preacher at the Anglican Church, John's Hall in the Rio Grande Valley, a district which is no more because of the hazards of crossing the Rio Grande. The message for my sermon included what Sir Philip Sherlock said. Independence was to prepare a nation, not to depend on others, but to be creators and not imitators so as we commemorate the 60th anniversary of our independence we should be mindful of the expression the past is history the future is a mystery but the present is a gift That is why it is called a present. And we thank God for this present, Jamaica land we love.
0: Yes, Jamaica is a gift. And Susan Campbell, who was born several decades after independence, says it's also the best place to live. Recently, I saw
3: my 12-year-old son watching the hit 1990s cable and wireless commercial dubbed In Touch. I can hear it now. Oh, can't you see we're the one-love generation? It gave me the feels back then and it gives me the feels today. I imagine it gives Malik the feels too because he played it for days. It was a worthwhile investment in a three-minute song and video by a corporate company which remains on my list of top Jamaican corporate advertisements of all time. Why? Because even as it sold a product, it paid homage to the best place to live on earth, the place I am privileged to call home, sweet Jamaica. It's the same feeling I get when I hear the national song for schools and the national anthem of Jamaica, the most beautiful in the world. I am not biased. It really is. It is masterfully written and composed with a dash of fun as we all get to say, Jamaica Boom. It's no wonder Veronica Campbell Brown shed a single tear as the flag was raised during the medal ceremony at the 2000 Olympic Games where she struck gold in the 200 meters. The first sprint gold for a Jamaican woman. Big moment, big tune. Tears, I actually got a scar on my foot and had to wear sandals to work for two weeks after practically running that race with Veronica and bumping my toe on a desk in the office. I do not hesitate to stand at the Carib Cinema when it is time for the national anthem to be played. By now you have guessed, I am a fan of track and field and I love music. What's a girl to do when she is from the country that gave the world its fastest human being in Usain Bolt and the song of the century, One Love, and album of the century, Exodus, both by Bob Marley. Behind Bolt and Marley are so many other amazing athletes and musicians. A little dot on the map can boast of a clean sweep in the women's 100 meters at the Olympic Games twice. And now we can add the world championships to the list. If you missed Beijing 2008, Tokyo 2020, and Oregon 2022, head over to YouTube fast. The world often ponders the secret behind the athletic prowess of a small nation, which in no way matches the financial or infrastructural resources that first world athletes are privy to. We often quip that it is in the food. I have not had nicer food anywhere in the world. The Jamaican motto is out of many one people, based on the population's multiracial roots. Perhaps the richest element of Jamaican culture is the food, with its blend of African and Asian influences. Breakfast is tantalizing, with the world-famous Blue Mountain Coffee and a plate of our national dish, Akian and saltfish, which is often paired with roasted breadfruit. I found the history behind our food to be so fascinating when I researched it. To feed slaves cheaply in the 1700s, the breadfruit was brought from Africa. Today, it is a favorite, roasted, boiled or fried. On a warm summer day, there is nothing like a cold red-striped beer and a serving of jerk pork or jerk chicken. To hide their whereabouts, the Maroons devised jerking, a method of spicing and cooking pork underground so that smoke would not be seen. Many of us are skilled enough to replicate these dishes at home, like a curried goat, which must be had at any major celebration and nine-night. I cook a mean, curried goat, if I may say so myself. I could go on for days about the yam from Trelawney, sorrel wine at Christmas, bun and cheese at Easter, rice and peas on Sunday, cornmeal porridge, sweet potato pudding, or fruits like o apple and vegetables which are standard on our menu. Perhaps the magic is in the food after all. So magical that we don't play about our food. As we would say in Jamaican, Creole, we love nyam. Before I make us all hungry, let's dance. From mentor to dance hall, our music has always been backed by amazing dance moves, which are a blend of African and European influences. I believe it is in our DNA, as one hardly comes across a Jamaican with two left feet. As for me, I will dance anywhere. When the music hits, I move, be it a party or a trip to the supermarket. During my university years, I attended nearly every campus party and visited most nightclubs in Kingston. It's one of the things I missed the most during the COVID lockdowns, although I had not partied like that in years. Being locked away brought back memories of those days when I was free without a care in the world. I recently attended Reggae Sumfest just to see the Dave Kelly Tribute, which was delivered by dancehall kingpins Beanie Man, Bounty Killer, Baby Sham, Frisca Kid, and Spraga Benz. Oh, the glorious 90s. It was a great time to be alive, to experience the best of dancehall, and to learn some of the best dances ever. I was lost in that Dave Kelly Tribute at Sumfest. What a genius of a man to have produced some of the best dancehall rhythms we have ever heard from the 90s to early 2000s. Like a husband who falls in love with his wife's beauty every now and then, that's how mesmerized I become occasionally when I admire Jamaica's beauty. The warm sun, the white sand beaches, some with turquoise waters... The beautiful mountains and rivers are all simply breathtaking. Of our 14 parishes, there is something unique to love about each. Fascinating! Portland and St. James are among my favorites. Both are in stark contrast, as if to truly separate the East from the West. The city of Montego Bay, so powerful in its stature as our tours in Mecca, while Port Antonio is so serene as its stillness gives one the opportunity to be one with nature and truly enjoy island life. The South Coast has been calling me for a while, and I do mean to check it out, as Treasure Beach in St. Elizabeth is so beautiful. It's a shame that I have never done the Appleton tour, but I will soon with a designated driver. Rum, here I come. It is not broken English. It is Jamaican Creole or patois, a language in its own right, spoken by a unique people with lilting accents. Our language fascinates me, and it is partly what makes our storytelling so unique and hilarious. Big up, Miss Lou. What a champion of our language she was, as she made the world embrace it, and a people proud to open their mouths and speak the language they know and love. Everything is funnier in Patois. Jamaicans laugh a lot. Some of the most serious situations are swiftly morphed into jokes. Despite our social ills, we are a whole vibe which cannot be replicated. But wait! I recently saw an Irish man on TikTok do just that and it is hilarious. This is Jamaica's 60th year of independence and what a summer it will be. I am happy that the World Athletics Championships happened in July as by the time August 6 comes around we will have much to celebrate as our athletes made us proud. This Jamaican was standing for the national anthem in her living room every time we struck gold. I will eat till my belly boss, sing every festival song I know, and dance like no one is watching. What a joy to be Jamaican. As Tony Rebel sang, what a nice place to live, sweet jam-dong. If only we could learn to love each other some more, it would undoubtedly be the most perfect place on earth. Before God and all mankind, I pledge the love and loyalty of my heart, the wisdom and courage of my mind, the strength and vigor of my body, in the service of my fellow citizens, I promise to stand up for justice, brotherhood and peace to work diligently and creatively, to think generously and honestly, so that Jamaica may, under God, increase in beauty, fellowship, and prosperity, and play her part in advancing the welfare of the whole human race. This, our national pledge, is a beautiful reminder of our duty as Jamaicans. Jamaican, I would not
0: want to be called Anything else. Thank you, Suzette, for reminding us of our national pride and our duty as Jamaicans. As we reflect on our Diamond Jubilee, it's my pleasure to introduce the Honorable Speaker of the House of Representatives, Marissa Dalrymple-Philibert, who remembers growing up in rural
4: Jamaica. Hi, I too love Jamaica. I grew up in the rural part of Jamaica, in St. Mary, on the grazing estates, where we lived on a hill, and I thought I lived in a great old house, great house, when I grew up and visited the house, when we were assisting Minister done with his campaign in the air and I went to visit the house. I realized what a tiny little house that looks so large to us as children. We were on the hill and we used to scamper down on the weekends because the river was running below and we used to use our little um, milk cans, you know, the little tin cans and push them under the rock to catch crayfish. And of course, whenever it rained and it was crap time, our dad used to take us out to catch crabs in the night. On the hill and down the road was the entrance to Epsom, which is an area now, and on the other side was the entrance to a fabulous beach we thought as children. And it was a big treat for us to go down on a Sunday and have a swim in it in the ocean there and when as i when i was camping i went down and looked at the beach down there the sand was as black as a star down there and we thought this was fabulous none of the white beaches we have now but you know life was fabulous and when i campaigned with him dr Don, i found a lady who had worked with us when we were children and was still alive and i'm fortunate now as an adult to be the member of parli- of member of parliament of a uh, rural constituency, and I can tell you that is where you know that we are a great people because those people are strong, they are resilient, they are proud, they are creative, and they turn them handmade fashion, and we produce the greatest from out of very humble beginnings there. So, Jamaica is great. My, two of my girls live abroad. I love to visit them, but there's no place like home. I'd rather live nowhere else than right here in Jamaica. We're
0: blessed to be born in this country of exceptional and outstanding people who continue to both confound and excite the peoples of the world. I'm thankful for the creations and contributions of our people in every area of global life. After 60 years, our nation has done well. But the journey continues, and we use this Diamond Jubilee to reignite our nation for greatness. I love Jamaica. The Isle of Jamaica podcast was presented by the Honorable Olivia Grange,
3: the Minister of Culture, Gender, Entertainment and Sport. It was produced and edited by Oliver Watt. Assistant producers were Connie Aitchison and Sheree Clark. Sound recording was done by Orange Chandon and Andre Grange. The Isle of Jamaica podcast is a production of the Ministry of Culture, Gender, Entertainment and Sport and the Jamaica Sixties Secretariat, reigniting a nation of greatness.